our name marks and identifies us. It's more than just ink on a page. It's more than just random letters put together. Over time, as people get to know us and when they hear our name, it can bring up emotions and experiences of our name. Most often, our parents name us, and they usually have a good reason to give us the name that they chose. When I hear the name Mariah or Nora, my wife and my daughter, it brings up emotion and, and experiences of, of their nature and their personality and just who they are and the experiences that I'm having with them as we go through this life together. And I'm thankful for their names. You see, names are precious. That's why we don't like our name made fun of or misspelled or even um, um, mocked. Funny nicknames maybe are one thing, but disrespect and slander of our name is something completely different. In the Bible, God makes it very clear in Scripture that Jesus' name is to be respected. God makes it very clear in Scripture that Jesus' name is to be respected. Pastor Karen referred to it in Philippians 2, that God gave him the name that is above every other name. We believe Jesus' name says in Acts 4.12, there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. In the Lord's Prayer, we exalt Jesus' name by hallowed, holy is the name of Jesus. The third commandment encourages and commands us to not misuse the Lord's name in vain. And there will come a day that at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God makes it very clear that Jesus' name is to be respected. God doesn't want us to forget the power in the name of Jesus and the holiness and reverence of the name of his son, Jesus. But unfortunately, Jesus' name is tarnished. It's kicked to the curb, it's made fun of, it's ridiculed when people maybe in moments of anger or rebellion or frustration and they say things like, OMG, or Jesus, in a negative way. And no longer do people attribute Jesus' name to be the holy name that saves, but they attribute Jesus' name to be a swear word, a swear word rather than the holy name of Jesus. As I was writing this portion of my sermon, I was reminded of a song in the 1970s. Well, I wasn't born in the 1970s, so give me a little grace here and see if I can fumble my way through this. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. He is Master, Savior, Jesus, like a fragrance after the rain. He is Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, 
But there's something about that name. We believe in the powerful name of Jesus. And his name is to be used with respect and care. We believe as Christ followers, as we speak the name of Jesus, it can either positively influence or negatively impact his precious name. And here's the good news. Even those who misuse, even those who ridicule and put down the name of Jesus, they are not beyond God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness in Jesus' name. We've been in a series going through the book of Acts, looking at Paul's missionary journey as he is witnessing and telling other people about the matchless and wonderful name of Jesus. But before Paul met Jesus, he hated Jesus. He hated even the name of Jesus. Scripture is so clear that he breathed murderous threats against Christians. He persecuted Christians. He destroyed the church. Whatever anyone was speaking about the name of Jesus, he was there and he would have none of it. And it wasn't until a miraculous encounter with God on the road to Damascus, God's Shekinah glory blinded Paul that he could no longer see. And a voice from heaven said, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? Very shortly after, he surrendered his life to Jesus. And no longer did he disrespect Jesus' name, but he began to proclaim and lift high the name of Jesus. Scripture is clear that at once he began to preach that Jesus is the Son of God. And all who heard him were astonished. Wasn't this the man who disrespected and slandered Jesus' name? Yet there seems to be a complete 180, and now he's lifting high the name of Jesus? What, what happened here? The Apostle Paul was a powerful witness for Jesus. He lifted high the name of Jesus. He started 14 churches. He led thousands to Christ, and he was an influential leader lifting high the name of Jesus. And Paul is an example that God can use anyone powerfully for those who surrender and follow and trust Jesus. And so our topic this morning is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. You see, Jesus was a common name in the first century. But what separates Jesus Christ is the person it belongs to and what he did. In Christ, Colossians 2 says, in Christ, in Jesus, all the fullness of God lives in bodily form. We heard it earlier as we were worshiping that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And God's love through Jesus, God did not send Jesus to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The saving, healing, justifying, and redeeming power of God resides in the person of Christ, and Jesus is his name. But the name of Jesus is not a magical word. We can't just assume that if we speak out the name of Jesus, it'll just happen, and I'll have anything and everything that I wanted. Any power that Christians have access to in Jesus' name to serve and work effectively for advancing God's kingdom flows from a right relationship with God. Let me explain. 
Think of it this way. I have the right to use the last name Elliot because I was born into the Elliot name and household. Now, my wife and my daughter, they have the right and they have the authority to use the name Elliot and no one else does. And you see, only those who are part of God's family, adopted into the family of God, have the right to use the name of Jesus. And so let's look at how Jesus' name helped to advance God's kingdom through Paul in Acts chapter 19, verses 8 through 20. And it's going to be on the screen, and this is what God's word says. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe, and they publicly maligned the way, so Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia, they heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, were doing this. And one day the evil spirit answered them and he said, Jesus I know. I know about Paul. Who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachma. And in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We recognize that all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for correcting, teaching, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God is thoroughly equipped for every good, every good work. And so, Jesus, empower us, enable us, help us to see and respond appropriately in what you want us to do. And all God's people said, amen. You see, Paul is on his third missionary journey. He's in modern-day Turkey, and he's witnessing in the city of Ephesus. What was interesting about Ephesus at this time was that it was a center for spiritual warfare. There was black magic, there was witchcraft, there were demons, there were practices, there were superstitions, and there was sorcery. There was a heavy presence of evil and Satan. And although the presence of Satan was strong, Paul will prove in Jesus' name that God is stronger. Some slander Jesus' name. Others try to use Jesus' name for personal gain. Yet despite opposition, Jesus' name is respected. People confess and God's kingdom grows. And it's this idea that whatever Satan meant for evil, God can turn it around and use it for good. And here's our main point. We advance God's kingdom when Jesus' name is respected and used appropriately. Let's say this together. 
We advance God's kingdom when Jesus' name is respected and used appropriately. Just recently, I heard a story of an atheist. They hate everything about Jesus. They don't even like prayer. They don't even like the church. They don't like anything that's good and wholesome. And suddenly, they became very seriously ill, and they were hospitalized. This is a true story. And a Christian went into their room and began to witness in Jesus' name, to tell them about Jesus being their Savior, and his light, and his hope. And they prayed for healing in Jesus' name. The next day, that person was healed in Jesus' name. And no longer did they discredit and ridicule the name of Jesus, but they began to tell other people about the love of Jesus. And it's this idea, little is much when God is in it. God is looking for faithful people who will take the name of Jesus. You see, the central aspect of Paul's message was to point people to Jesus, that he is our Savior. Last week, Pastor Dan unpacked how, because of the support that Paul experienced, he devoted himself to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. He is our Savior. He is the Messiah. God enabled Paul to appropriately use Jesus' name to do miracles. A lame man who was, who was born paralyzed. In the name of Jesus, Paul prayed and said, and he instantly got up and walked, and he was whole and strong. When Paul was in prison, Paul and Silas, instead of disrespecting, cursing, and slandering the name of Jesus, oh, thanks a lot, Jesus. No, they praised and they respected and they sang out the name of Jesus. And the other prisoners were listening. And as a result, a jailer and his household all came to faith in Jesus' name. Paul was not about lifting up his name. He was about lifting high the name of Jesus. Paul was threatened. He was verbally abused. He was stoned. He was arrested. He was shipwrecked. He was very poorly mistreated. But he continued to proclaim the name of Jesus because God's work is not finished yet. And I came across this quote from C.T. Studd. He's a missionary. And he said, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. If Jesus Christ died for me, he willingly gave up his life for me, he died for me, then no sacrifice that I make can be too great for him in Jesus' name. You see, in our passage of Scripture, Paul passionately witnesses about the name of Jesus. In verse 8, it says, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. He spoke boldly. He was confident in spirit and demeanor. This was an enablement of the Holy Spirit to act and to speak courageously, despite opposition and danger that was upon his life. When the early followers of Jesus, when they hid in fear from the authorities because they were scared that they were going to be mistreated or thrown into prison or worse, killed, Scripture says in Acts 4 that they prayed for God's enablement and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. 
You see, God gives us boldness when our intent is to lift high the name of Jesus because he's looking for willing people to take Jesus' name to other people. They spoke boldly. But the Apostle Paul also argued persuasively. A more accurate translation of arguing is actually reasoning. He was having conversations with people to ponder ideas, to discuss what, what is right. Paul is presenting that Jesus is our Savior, to repent and to believe in, in, in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us. That, that death couldn't hold him down, the grave couldn't, but he defeated, he's victorious. And there's life and there's healing and there's power in the name of Jesus. And Paul is a testimony of what Jesus can do in somebody's life. And he talks about the kingdom of God. It refers to God's spiritual rule over those who willingly surrender to Jesus being Lord of their life. More simply put, the kingdom of God is salvation. It's the cross. It's forgiveness. It's grace. It's mercy. It's being reconciled back to God. And so where do we see Jesus' name respected and used appropriately? Well, let's begin by talking about the negative, and what happened with people misusing the name of Jesus. Well, not all the Jews resisted Paul, but some did disrespect Jesus' name. We see this in verse 9. But some of them became obstinate. They opposed. They, They rejected what Paul was saying. They refused to believe, and they publicly maligned the way. They publicly lamined. They, they expressed their rejection publicly. They spoke evil. They cursed. They used malicious words that were meant to disrespect and slander Jesus' name. And the way is what early Christians referred to as their belief system. Their belief system. In part, it refers to Jesus. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6 and what he did on the cross. And it's this idea that, next slide, just because we proclaim Jesus, it doesn't mean that everyone will receive him or speak well of him. For some, this is good to know, but not to just bank on this either. To not get caught off guard that just because we proclaim and we tell other people about Jesus, it doesn't mean that everyone's going to immediately receive Jesus or even speak well of him. John 3.19 says, light has come into this world. Jesus has come into this world, but people love the darkness. They love their evil, sinful desires. And instead of light, because their deeds were evil, people loved their darkness. And you see, God honors free will. And we need to respect people's people's choice. They have the right to choose Jesus or oppose Jesus. We may not like their decision, but we cannot force people to accept Jesus. We just love people. And our life can be a testimony of what Jesus can do in someone's life. You see, it's only when somebody chooses Jesus that they become part of the family of God. John 1, 11 through 12 talks about how Jesus said, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who did receive him, to those who 
believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so don't lose hope. Don't stop witnessing just because everyone doesn't receive or speak well of him. Remember, you're in good company. People opposed Jesus, and he was the Savior, and he was the Son of God. <laughs> and so you're in good company, but that didn't stop Jesus from continuing to proclaim freedom, forgiveness in Jesus' name. And notice what Paul didn't do. He didn't defend he didn't retaliate with anger when people didn't receive or spoke well of Jesus, but Scripture says that Paul left them. Paul left them. He peacefully walked away. Paul made a sincere effort, and he preached boldly for three months, and yet some people rejected. Therefore, Paul was justified in walking away because he obeyed God, and he was a faithful witness to Jesus. Jesus gave his disciples authority in his name to preach and to cast out demons. Yet Jesus also said in Mark 6, 11, he said, If any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet. It's where we kind of get the modern phrase, you know, I wash my hands from it. You know, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm, I'm symbolically indicating that, you know, nothing else can be done in this situation. You know, I carry no more further responsibility for it. But Jesus' instruction reminds us that we're responsible for our obedience to God, not necessarily the results of our obedience. We're responsible to obey God, to do what he asks. And whether or not people reciprocate and respond in a God-honoring way, that's not up to us. That's between them and God. We're responsible for our obedience to what God is asking us to do. And there were times, even in Jesus' ministry, when followers walked away from him. We even see that in John 6, 66. Jesus was speaking, he was talking about the kingdom of God, and people didn't really understand what Jesus was saying. It was confusing. I, this doesn't make any sense, Jesus. And they began to just walk away. These were followers of Jesus, yet they left him. And yet we don't see Jesus running after them. He didn't beg them to come back or compromise on his convictions or standards just to appease them or to win them over. No, Jesus let them walk away. And when I was thinking about this, I had this thought that have we at times maybe got caught up in arguing with people, raising our voice that we no longer are witnessing, but we're so focused on trying to be right that we could be hindering the gospel message? No, you're wrong. That's a wrong belief system. Oh, what are you, that's foolishness. How could you believe that? Oh my goodness, why would you do that? We're not acting in a loving way, but we're, we're repelling people from Jesus, rather attracting people to Jesus with our demeanor and our attitude and our tone. Maybe some of us have done that, or maybe some of us have used Jesus' name in a disrespecting way. OMG, Jesus. And it hindered our words and the gospel message and people thought, if that's how you speak about your God that you believe in, pff, I don't want anything to do with him. 
Not only did some people disrespect Jesus' name, but some of the Jews were jealous of Paul's miracles to heal and to deliver those with demonic possession. Remember, Ephesus was very heavy in witchcraft and spells and sorcery. There was a heaviness of the presence of Satan. And exorcists could make money by pretending or claiming that somebody was healed of demonic possession. And this is where we see how some Jews attempt to misuse Jesus' name for personal gain. Some Jews attempt to misuse Jesus' name for personal gain. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. These were fraudsters. Uh, they were acting as exorcists. They, they, they claimed that they could do something and they could not. They would go from town to town making a profit by claiming that you're healed, now give me the money, and now they go. Maybe they saw Paul use Jesus' name to cast out an evil spirit in the slave girl in chapter 16. So maybe they thought, you know, if I use that name, you know, Maybe the same result will happen to me, so why don't I try this? And, you know, I can just be, you know, making a name for myself and, and making a profit too. And so they tried to invoke, they, they tried to use the name of Jesus as a magic word. Ta-da! But it didn't result in the same thing. So they said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. But it backfired. It, they were humiliated. Scripture is very clear that to, to prove their complete lack of power and misuse of Jesus' name, the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and single-handedly overpowered seven of them. The evil spirit, this man, humiliated them, overpowered them. And we learn the lesson that Jesus will not allow his name to be manipulated nor reduced to a magic formula. Jesus will not allow his name to be manipulated nor reduced to a magic formula. Jesus allowed them to be humiliated and overpowered because they tried to misuse his name for personal gain. Mark 7, 6 says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They say some pretty convincing things. The outward appearance looks good, but really they're just in it for themselves. And you see, we cannot claim Jesus' name without living under his lordship. Jesus being number one in our life. Only those in right relationship with Jesus are in a correct position to invoke his name in humble faith for his glory. Had this exorcism succeeded, it would have discredited Jesus' name and Paul's ministry. However, God has the ability to turn what Satan meant for evil and use it for good. God used this experience to defeat Satan, to bring conviction to the believers who are still involved in secret sin. And instead of disgracing Jesus' name, Jesus' name will be exalted and respected. And so let's look at the positive here. As a result of the totality of Paul's preaching and the miracles and what happened to these Jewish exorcists, 
the Ephesians realize that words hold no power, but Jesus does. And this is where we see Jesus' name is respected. As a totality of everything that has just happened, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Fear, it's where we get the English word phobia. They had a reverence, they had a respect for Jesus, but also a proper respect for Jesus' position. He's king. He's Lord. He's the Son of God. And they had a high honor for the name of Jesus to declare great. It's the equivalent to get the glory and to praise, to exalt and to lift high the name of Jesus. And notice what Scripture says. They were all seized with fear. Even those who disrespected and slandered Jesus' name, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high respect. They were all filled with a holy respect as they saw God's power at work. And when I was thinking about this, I felt some conviction within my spirit. And this is what the Lord revealed to me. We talk a lot about how God is love, and we are to love him first, which is true. But the Bible also talks a lot about having a correct fear of God. A reverence and respect for who God is, but also fear of offending the one who is in control. He's king. He's Lord. He's loving. He is love, but God is also just. God is also just. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, one day we will all stand before God and we will all give an account for the good and the bad things that we have done. We will give an account. We are accountable. God is loving, but he's also just. God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. But God has also said, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, and God will make all things right. You see, Jesus will be honored when the world sees a community of Christ's followers showing proper respect for Jesus' name. I believe it. That Jesus will be honored when the world sees a community of Christ's followers showing proper respect for Jesus' name. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Psalm 33, 8 through 9 says, Let all the earth fear the, fear the Lord. Let all people revere his name. For he spoke and it was done. Jesus has authority and power to speak things into existence. That is the power of Jesus' name. Jesus' name was respected. But we also see through Paul's ministry that Jesus' name is appropriately used. Paul is an example in how Jesus' name is used appropriately. In verses 11 through 12, it said, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and illnesses were cured, and evil spirits left them. And notice who did these miracles. It wasn't Paul. Paul was the vessel. It was God 
doing these extraordinary miracles through Paul. It was God enabling Paul compared to the Jewish exorcists who, who tried to just invoke the name of Jesus through what they say. Paul did extraordinary miracles. These were not magical objects. Rather, the Holy Spirit manifested himself so powerfully through Paul that God's presence remained connected to the things that Paul touched and used. We see this similarly in Luke 8.44. A woman bled for 12 years. 12 years. Yet she had faith that she, if she just touched Jesus' garment, that instantly she would be healed. And when she did that, she was healed. And Jesus recognized the power that went out from him, and he said, who touched me? Unlike the Jewish exorcists who only thought of themselves, Jesus' name is used appropriately when it's empowered by God to help other people. Jesus' name is used appropriately when it's empowered by God not man's strength, not for me, but to help other people. James 2, 14 through 17 talks about how faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. What good is it to say, go and be well, and to not actually do something to be helpful? Proverbs 3, 27 says, do not withhold good when it's in your power to act. James 4, 17 talks about if anyone knows the good they ought to do and, and not do it, it's sin. Jesus' name was used appropriately when it was empowered by God to help other people. That the very things that Paul was doing and saying, that as God enabled him, it was taken to the sick and they were healed. Evil spirits left in Jesus' name. And it was God's power working through Paul. You're probably familiar with the name Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa said, at the end of life, we will not be judged by how many diplomas we, we've received, how much money we've made, how many great things we have done. We will be judged by, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was naked and you clothed me. I was homeless and you took me in. She's quoting Jesus in Matthew 25. And as a result of Jesus' name respected and used appropriately, many people, many people repent and confess their sin. We see this in verse 18. Many of those who believe now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls and burned them publicly. They confessed, they admitted, they acknowledged, they openly declared without reservation. Here is my sin, Jesus. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. And notice who was confessing. Christians. Those who believe. It was Christians confessing and coming to the Lord for grace. And they publicly burned they revealed an effort to turn from and renounce their evil and former ways to surrender and trust God. This was more than just asking for forgiveness for their evil former deeds, but it revealed a commitment to forsake anything that is a temptation and anything that pulls me down and makes me less like Jesus. And this is one of the best evidences that a person is truly repentant. This is one of the best evidence that somebody is truly repentant. 
the willingness to walk away from their evil deeds and walk towards Jesus. The willingness to walk away from the temptations and instead walk towards Jesus. The multiple verbs used in verse 18, believe, came, confess, indicate that people kept coming, they kept confessing, they kept showing up. These believers apparently had not made a clean break from sin. They were still practicing their magic, their, their, their hidden evil deeds in, in closed doors where no one else could see them, but the Lord was dealing with them. And it's this idea that secret sin is the surest and fastest way to hinder God's work in and through you. Secret sin, the sin that only we know, no one else knows, is the surest and fastest way to hinder God's work in and through you. You see, evil and sinful desires are still prevalent in this world, but it's also true in the church and in Christians as well. There's still the struggle to choose between what is right and wrong, what is God-ordained and what is not of Him. You see, to repent, to confess, is to turn away from what is evil and sinful and instead turn to what is good, holy, pure, and that which is from God. Repentance is not asking for God's forgiveness with the intent to sin again. Rather, it's an honest evaluation of our life with a promise to change with God's help and enablement. As a result, because of confession, people coming to Jesus, turning from their wicked ways, we're able to see in, in verse 20 that in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. It spread widely. God's kingdom became greater in size. It refers to people believing in Jesus, authentic followers, growing in discipleship. Less of me, more of you, Jesus. Less of me, more of you, Jesus. That as we get closer to Jesus, we begin to resemble him. And the gospel message also grew in power to be strong, to exert, and to wield power not previously possessed. It refers to God strengthening and empowering the believers to do and to act what is pleasing and honoring to God, to witness for Jesus, to tell about God's grace, to lead people to God's throne, cross, and what Jesus Christ did for us, to share the gospel boldly and overcome in Jesus' name. I end with this quote. Warren Worsbury said, Great names come and go, but the name of Jesus remains. The devil still hates it. The world still opposes it. But God still blesses it, and we can still claim it. In the name of Jesus is the key that unlocks the door of prayer. It's the treasury of God's grace. It's the weapon that defeats the enemy and the motivation that compels our sacrifice and service. It's the name that causes our hearts to rejoice and our lips to sing out His praise. It is Jesus' name. As we were singing one of the songs, what a beautiful name. What a wonderful name. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. I had to sit because I didn't feel worthy to speak out Jesus' name. Who are we, Jesus, that you'd be mindful of us, that you want to use me, us, to take the gospel message to those who desperately need it most. 
God equips us. When our desire is to point people to Jesus and not make a name for ourselves, but to lift high the name of Jesus, he's looking for faithful followers devoted to him, empowered by his grace to do and to be what is right. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for who, we, who you are. We thank you, Lord, that you first loved us. We thank you, Lord, that the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus is so powerful. And Lord, we're sorry if at any time we have misused or misappropriated your name for our own personal gain, what we wanted rather than what was God's will. And so, Jesus, forgive us. We confess. We repent. But Jesus, thank you that you do not leave us where we are, but you empower us to be your hands and feet. And so may your church be empowered to take your name to those who desperately need it most. There may be some that reject. There may be some that disrespect your name. But Jesus, we will continue to lift high the name of Jesus because we believe you are our Savior. And we are an example of what you can do in a life that is surrendered and trusts you. In the precious and powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said,